Flying Bull Productions presents Laugh, Literature, and Film. It's good stuff. Yeah. The Laugh Podcast. I like it. I'm one of the co-hosts here, Mr. L-Trade. Over there, it's another co-host. Pleasure to be here. Mr. Two Frames Bull, how are you? Doing well. I'm I'm happy to be back. We're live now, again, on uh, the iTunes and then the internets. And not only in the hearts and minds of our students, but we're also out in the World Wide Web. Yeah, we're we're going uh, big. And by students, I mean our entire audience. We're mass communicating here. That's right. (laughs) And not only are we on iTunes, but uh, we've expanded. Oh, yeah? We're on Stitcher. (laughs) Wait. So now... If you don't have an iPhone, you don't have an excuse to not listen to the Laugh Podcast. Do you know what Laugh is? Literature and film? Do you know what Stitcher is? <laughs> uh, it's a platform where you can hear Laugh. Oh, wow. Yeah. You're That's because Stitcher things. is radio on demand. Listen anytime, anywhere with the award-winning free app that lets you listen to all your favorite shows. Stitcher also lets you discover new shows with its library of over 20,000 news, entertainment, and sports podcasts. The Stitcher app is available on iOS, Android, Nook, and iPads, as well as in over 4 million car dashes. Nice yeah. stuff. Stitcher, on demand, and on the go. So no see. downloading, no syncing, no wasted memory. Stream all your favorite podcasts today. If you don't have Stitcher, you can download it free at stitcher.com. Or the even better solution is to follow the link at thelaughpodcast.com. Have you heard of thelaughpodcast.com? I have. It's, it's on the www. Yeah. It's our official website where people can go and leave us a comment. And we want some comments. We'd like some more interactive elements to the show. Mm-hmm. So anything you want to say to us, you can say to us on iTunes. You can say to us on, uh, the, on our website there. Or you could go and uh, tweet us on the Twitter. That's right. The Laugh Podcast. <laughs> the Twitter, exactly. We will read the tweets mm-hmm. and the twits. And I think there's something up on Facebook now. Yeah, right? we're can, on Facebook. You can follow the link off the website. Apparently, you can't do uh, you, there. You can't do surveys on Facebook anymore. You have to do to an external link. But we're going to try to put up a survey that will f- for our listeners somehow, or you can just provide us feedback and give us who you think should win the Oscars. Who should, we're actually doing the best picture. Right. Yeah, we're going. Right. We're going to be going through. This is our second episode. Uh, each episode, we're going to be going through and talking about one of the pictures that's nominated at, for this year's Academy Awards. And today's movie is Whiplash. Whiplash. Which, if you've been listening, one of us thinks very highly. It's of. a great movie. This is a movie starring Miles Teller as a young Andrew Neiman, a promising young drummer. And he's, uh, it's his quest to, uh, to attain greatness and perfection at the, uh, music, music conservatory known as Schaefer. I'm not sure if this place really exists. No, it's fictional. It's fictional, but it's based on, uh, Damien Chazelle's real life experiences. And it, uh, also stars, uh, Terrence, uh, J.K. Simmons as Terrence Fletcher. 
an instructor who will stop at nothing to help the student realize his full potential. To help. Or quotation to, marks around right. help. Help is an interesting I, I think that's an idea that we're going to get to talk about today. Um, Any other big actors in this that people may recognize? Probably not right now, but eventually, well, some of our listeners may know Paul Reiser. I don't think any of the younger ones do because he hasn't really been in the in the in the realm of uh, entertainment for a while. Last thing yeah. I saw him in was that silly sitcom, Mad About You. Yeah, I wasn't mad about that. Yeah, I didn't like Mad About You, but I liked My Two Dads. I like <laughs> that, that. Was even woo? That's way deep. Yeah, yeah, you're going way into the well for that one. Enjoyed that. Uh, Melissa, is it Melissa Benowith? Benowist. Mm-hmm. This is his girlfriend in the movie, and she's going to be exploding here rather soon. She's going to be the new Supergirl. Ooh. And the, uh, I guess WB Network's putting out the TV movie, and then hoping to do it a spinoff as a television show. Oh, okay. Yeah. She's so also- she's not going to be in the new Justice League movie. Maybe, I don't know. Is Supergirl know. important to Justice League? I mean, I, all I know is she's one of those DC characters. I hope they have I the don't Wonder know. Twins. That's all I care about. <laughs> Love the Wonder Twins. What's that monkey's name? I have no idea. Chitter? Sure. I don't know. I like monkeys. monkeys. <laughs> you do? Yeah. They're my second favorite animal, I think. After dogs? Yeah, dogs. Well, do- it goes dogs, and then puppies, and then monkeys. <laughs> so I guess they're my third favorite <laughs> I like the sloth too. Sloth's a good one. She's also starring in a movie coming out next year uh, called Danny Collins with Al Pacino Ooh. and uh, Bobby Cannavale. It's about a I don't know. It's like a uh, psychological murder mystery kind of thing. And then she's also in a movie called Band of Robbers that's coming out next year, which is a reimagining of the uh, sort of like a sequel to Tom Sawyer, but she's a an adult Becky Thatcher. Oh, okay. She's she has a small role in uh, in this movie, but she could be blowing up. We could be talking be about her yeah. a lot at next year's Laffy's. Yeah, I don't think that she made much of an impact in the film because her role in the film is not as important, which we can get into in a mm-hmm. minute. It's important, uh, but there's not a whole lot of you know, range to her character. Um, but with that in mind. What did you think of Whiplash? Whiplash? Um, I thought it was, was a good it movie. Top 10? No, I didn't make my top ten. What? Probably I put somewhere in my top twenty. Probably somewhere. like fifteen, sixteen. I thought it was good. I I see more flaws in this movie than you do, but I do think it's a really good coffee movie. So you see flaws in the movie or in the story? Because that's a different sort of thing. I didn't buy into all the elements of the story. Okay. And, I mean, we'll get into that, but I do think it's a good movie to go see with someone because you're going to want to discuss it afterwards. You're going to want to discuss it over a cup of coffee or whatever hot beverage you prefer. Yeah, I don't drink coffee. If you like a cold beverage, Tang is always nice yeah. to discuss a movie over. Um, Dr. Whistle's Wet Drink. Yeah. That's a good one. Uh, I believe you even tried to discuss this movie with me before I had seen it. You were so excited. You were coming out of the theater. I've never really... I don't get really ebullient about movies. <laughs> like, my old man does. But I don't. Yeah. My dad will go see a movie. Like, we left American Sniper. He said it was the best mo- war movie he's ever seen. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, then I thought about it. There's like ten more that are better than that. But either way, uh, I've... 
I don't know if I've ever called you or anybody after a movie and told them how great it was and how awesome it was and how much they should go see it. And then, of course, you didn't go see it. Uh, oh, I, I was stuck. My, there was a lot of enthusiasm. Out. I mean, did my. Not, did not encourage yeah. any movement towards you, but I hope it does for most of our our uh, listeners yeah. because I think it's one of um, I really do. It's the second rank. I'm surprised it wasn't my first rank movie of the year on the Laffies. Well, I also think I'm going to be a poor judge for this movie because so much of this movie has to do with music and the musical performances. And yeah, but film. I don't really think that's important. But I don't. Well, you don't? No, I think it's a it's a sports movie. It's just a it's a different format for for talking about achieving perfection. But it could be in a variety of uh, arenas. It doesn't necessarily have to be music. Oh, I agree, but I can't rate the performance. I guess I, I don't know. Like, does Neither he get better at drumming as the movie goes on? Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't I matter. couldn't really tell. See, I you don't I, see him missing a bunch of layups. Yeah, but and, see, I don't know what good drumming is. I don't know. I, I can't just go with the flow on that. But I do think that there's a difference. There are a couple of movies I've seen over the years where I feel knowledgeable enough in whatever they're about. Um, the Wrestler with Mickey Rourke about pro wrestling. I've seen hundreds, if not thousands, of pro wrestling matches. Mickey Rourke looks like a pro wrestler. He doesn't look like an actor who's going through the motions and they're cutting and editing in a way to make it look right. Like Sylvester Stallone doing boxing in Rocky. He never looks quite like a boxer. It doesn't look like an actual fight. It doesn't. It, uh, Mickey Rourke, I think, disappears. But Miles Teller did the actual drumming. I mean, yeah, he, but I, I, every scene that you see with him in it, they did use a, a double. But every scene that you see is him actually drumming. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it doesn't match up because the drumming is so fast. But that doesn't. I mean, I don't think he does. He's not the equivalent of Sylvester Stallone. In this case, he's more like the Mickey Rourke character. So, by that argument, it seems like you would uh, have more appreciation. But, for the but I don't know enough about music, and I guess in this would where it'd be great to hear from our listeners because a lot of them are in bands, right? And they make music. They've trained as a musician, including our laugh musician, uh, Mr. Elijah Steele, who, who wrote our music, who wrote our theme music. I would love to hear what they thought of it and what they thought of. Will that change your opinion of the movie if they have something good to say about it? Because you know our friend Mr. Z Zobi, mm -hmm. I don't have a nickname for him yet, is a drummer in a band. I, I've been I, encouraging him to see it, and he's just waiting for it to come out on video. Yeah. So. I'd be interested to hear what their insight is to it. But it's not going to change your opinion. You'd just be interested to hear. Because uh, I, I would suggest that the drumming element is a sidebar. It's not going to change my opinion in a major way. I suppose it could have been any instrument because the J.K. Simmons character manipulates all of his musicians in the same way. The J.K. Simmons character, this uh, Terrence Fletcher character, is an instructor slash mentor at this uh, upper crust conservatory, music mm -hmm. conservatory. He is just like a football coach or a drill instructor. In fact, he's so much like a drill instructor that his performances drawn comparisons to uh, the Full Metal Jacket, um, R. Lee Ermey. Mm -hmm. And it seems like this guy could exist in real life. Just as much as Miles Teller is a real drummer, it seems like this guy could be real too. Because he's, he's pretty much a jerk. Oh, yeah, no. I, I think it's a very realistic performance. 
it's in his performance that some of the things that I enjoy about movies come out, and it's that question of evil, like how how evil works itself in mundane ways into into every everyday circumstances, like not necessarily everyday circumstances because we're all not jazz musicians, but there's a question there as to what what this guy's motivations are and whether or not they are motivated by good things like uh mm-hmm. the perfection of the performance or whether or not they're motivated by bad things like personal ag- aggrandizement or just the idea of power the whole power struggle that exists between them it's really interesting and that and it's those big questions about um, man's balance between motivations and good and evil that uh, help to motivate the movie. I mean, help to encourage me to yeah. enjoy the movie. Did it bother you? And this bothered me for whatever reason. He likes to tell a story about Charlie Parker. And Charlie Parker was not a drummer. Right? No, Charlie Parker, Parker was, was a trumpet player. Right. And he tells this story about how Charlie Parker was motivated to go and practice. And I'm not going to ruin the story because that's in the movie. But he comes back to the story a couple times. Uh, Miles Teller's a drummer, though. That doesn't... No, that, that See, doesn't matter. Buddy that, Rich that, is the person... No, maybe it's not Buddy yeah, Rich. But, 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 the, but there's a drummer that Miles Teller really likes. I would have liked to hear a story about Buddy Rich or whoever it was. Well, you do instead. hear a story about Buddy Rich. Dies dead and alone at the age of 34. But not about the way he trained Buddy and the way Rich, he became a great musician. Did not maybe attain that level of perfection that Terrence Flesher is trying to to pull out of Miles Teller. He wants him to be better than Buddy Rich. He wants him to achieve. Um, it's like it's like the we want you to be better than Magic Johnson. We don't want you to be better than uh, mm-hmm. Michael Jordan, mm-hmm. right? So there's levels there. I think that's what they're getting at. Okay, so and Charlie I don't Parker know enough about jazz. Charlie Parker's at the very top. Well, in the context of the movie, is that's how they set it up. Not Buddy Rich, because no, that Buddy seems Rich to be who Miles Teller wants to yeah, be. Yeah, they say than. apparently they used Buddy Rich as his, um, I don't know, his motivational guru slash. That was uh, the style he wanted. I to think be. it's something like his style, but that, it's also because. He not that he failed as a musician, but that I think he was the first guy that was. Um, Arrested for narcotics possession, hmm. and for having marijuana, I think okay. something like that. And he died. You know, uh, at one point, there's a cautionary conversation between uh, Miles Teller and his father and his family's extended family about the fact that Miles Teller is so consumed in his pursuit of something that he's isolated himself and put himself in a position where he doesn't have. Uh, close relationships with anybody, mm-hmm. and or he might he has a, he's a danger of just just dying alone and uh, sort of marginalized like this Buddy Rich guy. But I've heard people talk about Buddy Rich as a drummer, and he's a great drummer. But apparently, like I guess Miles Teller in the movies in his eighteen nineteen years old, mm-hmm. I guess he's a freshman in college. So Andrew uh, not Naaman in the movie is. The fact that he would idolize Buddy Rich is is not really that that's sort of unrealistic in terms of I think. Would be like a kid going to art school and wanting to be the next Pablo Picasso. 
or the next Norman Rockwell, maybe. Maybe I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not really sure about his his style or anything. I, yeah, I don't know. I can't come up with a good analogy. Okay. Necessarily, except that there are probably other drummers out there that are more technically um, interesting. And I, I, is it Buddy Rich that throws the thing at the Charlie Bird that makes him that motivates him to? No, I think it was. It's a different someone drummer. else. All right. Um, at least that's my understanding. Okay. Um. Yeah, I think the whole being a teacher and how do you motivate people is interesting, and I think one of the big topics to discuss in this movie is, do you think J.K. Simmons is motivating Miles Teller, or is Miles Teller motivating himself? I don't know, and and that is, I mean that that's a through line. Mm-hmm. It's it on a multiple viewings, I I get a better handle of it mm-hmm. or on it. I haven't been able to uh, um, to see it in its entirety. I mean, because I was impressed watching the movie second time with that idea of what type of a commitment do you need to make to your art, whatever the art is. And Miles Teller does a variety of things, and he's not told to do these things by J.K. Simmons from um, dumping his girlfriend to he practices at times so much that he's opening up giant blisters on his hands. Right. And just putting band-aids on them. And right, so that's scene. enough to let you know that he's practicing. I mean, he's, he's improving in terms of his... Is he improving be, or is he just practicing a lot? He's just beating himself up? No, he's definitely improving or else the J.K. Simmons character wouldn't allow him to be in you know part of his band. Mm-hmm. There's other questions that we can get into in some, some type of spoiler territory. Uh, my but, ear's not good enough to hear the difference in the no, drumming. But, and, I don't think you have to. I, I really okay. don't think you have to be able to do that. And, and I'm wondering... Uh, we will have a spoiler section because there are some interesting things that happen that I don't want to reveal too much about mm-hmm. if I haven't already because I hate the spoiler thing. Um, but the 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 you mentioned I think a lot of your problems it seems with the movie has to do with the story and maybe like your personal attachment to it. But you said something at the beginning of the show where you di- you didn't think it was a it was great. Uh, it, it was it was a smaller movie, or a... I, I thought it was flawed because to me it's dealing with jazz music, which to me is always a group ensemble, and yet this guy's a drummer and he kind of does a lot of solo stuff. And to me, I always thought the drum something where you're just there to keep the beat, and that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Okay, he he's this crazy individual. He practices all the time. He plays very little actual music throughout the film. But you realize that he could have, Damien Chazelle could have chosen any number of of people to be in that role. Like, any number of, like, at one point in the movie, he berates another member of the band. Or actually, he berates everybody in some, mm-hmm. in multiple ways throughout. Uh, the, the, the... I don't know. I don't even know. Saxophonists. I guess there's four of them on this on, in this ensemble. He goes right down the line. Mm-hmm. He could have broken them all apart. You know, the, any one of those characters could have been the drummer guy. The it's the the difference in the movie is that this guy has the potential to achieve better than um, everybody else in the field of music. It doesn't matter what the instrument is. Yeah, but what bothers me is that he's practicing one song. And he, no, they're no, playing no. the 
two songs is it no I mean, no no well I, I, also, just, I would think there's a time crunch thing that that's a problem they only reference it in the dialogue how much time takes mm-hmm. place it seems like it's overnight but it's not it's not like step 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 next thing you know it i mean it's it's over a course of a few months i don't know maybe six months maybe i'll just throw that number out there i'm not sure exactly so there is a progression and it's and it's tied to it's asking him to do certain things um in fact he'll show him how they made some changes like uh, the mile the uh Fletcher character will hand over a piece of music that he's made changes to from the original and say, Hey, look, you're going to have to learn this. And the guy will go out and he'll learn it. And then he'll be able to, you know, Mm -hmm. he achieves that certain level and then he manipulates him another way and takes him to another level. And then the, the manipulation continues. So I think that there is, I think that you can make a case for the movie showing you the improvement of the character and not just concentrating on him playing this one song. Okay. Yeah. I would just like to have seen a music. I I would have liked to see more music and of more variety in this film. Huh? It just, it seemed odd to me that it was, let's just practice this. There's, there's one major beat that miles Teller needs to hit in this film. I didn't see it. And like that, that they, that, well, but they go back and forth, and again, not but he get changes too, that. He changes that beat. He changes the thing. Yeah, a, a, a little. I just would have liked to see more music, more variety of the so song. You don't want your quarterback just throwing the ball. You want to be able to. No, but you want to be able to run the option and all those. Other, you wanted to practice the option and the yeah, bootleg to, to go to a film that we've talked a lot about, action. Pacific Rim. There are lots of robots fighting monsters in that film. But they choreograph every fight so that it feels different and that it changes. I didn't, yeah, I didn't feel the changes as much in this movie. Personal opinion. All right. You're entitled to that opinion. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll give you that. It's, it's interesting that we, see this, that we watch the same movie and we didn't see the same mm-hmm. thing. But that's, that's part of what this show is about, I think. Um, I, I do want to take... I am a little bit offended, not offended, but I, I guess I want to take exception to the idea that it's a small movie. I mean, it is small and tight, but it's it's very, um, it's not a slight movie. It's it's a it's a it's an intricate, compelling narrative that's tied in with the cinematography mm-hmm. and the choices and the decisions that are made. It's the best use of the. Of the swish pan since Citizen Kane. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, maybe Boogie Nights. I don't Fair know. Uh, there's a lot, There's a. there are a whole lot of tiny details in the movie where it's it, it goes by that whole concept I was talking about with Blue Ruin of show, don't, don't tell. Mm-hmm. And even the stuff that's in the dialogue is presented in such a way and in in such a manner like it's either acted out or it's it's pulled out of the actors in such a way so that it always propels the narrative forward and it and it's and the little nuances are what i really appreciate about the film mm-hmm. and things that other people might not necessarily see but in terms of creating a zeitgeist or a, a gestalt i guess is the word the organized whole is better than than any individual scene, although each individual scene stands on its own as well. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I don't know how great the cinematography is because there's a lot of people just sitting and talking. I think the editing is great. Editing's great. I, and, and like you said, it's the small details. There's a scene where J.K. Simmons comes into the practice room and the clock strikes right at 9 o'clock. Door opens, you get the quick cut of the door, he comes in and he puts up his hat and coat. You could have cut away there and gone right into them getting ready to play their music, but the camera lingers for that extra second and he takes out some earbuds or, um, you know, like, was he listening to something there? Mm-hmm. You can't really mm-hmm. tell. That's or does he just ambiguity walk? that makes it interesting. Yeah, and that's where I think the editing's really good. And there, like you said, there are lots of little details that you do pick up on. But as second that, and third time through, as that scene carries on, there's a lot of camera movement and and a lot of focus that is appropriate for the for the the songs that they're playing, mm-hmm. and also to develop the characters. You see, the placement of certain characters is important in terms of foreground and background, and then also how the camera moves through that thing or through that. Um, uh, that song or that that yeah. that show, and then well, the it, editing it, has a rhythm to it, especially during. But it the has songs. to mim- it has to it has to match up with that music. Yeah, if it doesn't, it would be jarring. But then there are points where, like the mise en the mise en scène is is incredibly important in this movie, and they take a lot of time to to put certain small things around certain characters, like to accentuate Fletcher's physicality. They, he he's sort of there. There's light behind him that shines off of his head. Mm-hmm. Terrence Fletcher is this guy, J.K. Simmons, who I think is going to win the Oscar. Probably win the Oscar for best supporting actor is the. Uh, I can't remember his name. I, I looked it up the other day, but it's uh, he's the he's a professor at the Farmers School of Insurance. I think. Oh yeah, yeah. He's in the State Farm commercials. Yeah, so you would see, or is it State, or I don't know. He's. Maybe he's at statewide, something like that. Farm state. <laughs> People would recognize him from that. He's got this, this bald head. They he, wouldn't know that he was so. Um, he, I think he he probably gained about ten pounds of muscle for this movie. Ten or fifteen pounds of muscle. Yeah. And that that plays into the character. There's cinematography. There, there's cinema. There's lighting choices, and photographic choices that um, surround this character that make him even more menacing at times or more enlightening or inspiring for the uh, Andrew character as well. And and they do stuff with the camera and they do stuff with shots. It's it's pretty intricate and involved. And that's kind of what I appreciated about it. The cinematography tied to the story. So. No, I think that's all fair. Um, what did you think about the whole idea that you have to practice 10,000 hours or whatever to become great. No, did Just, they say that in the movie? I've but but it's all about practice, practice, practice. And, and that if you practice enough and you practice hard enough, you're going to become great. I thought that was kind of a flaw and maybe I didn't buy into it. You know, Because it, you it, don't ever practice anything? No. You don't, you don't practice at no, the I podcast? No, I practice some stuff. I'm you, a decently accomplished juggler. <laughs> you didn't just start juggling right away. No, but I mean, there's a lot of practice, and I mean, isn't that isn't there also the question of the quality of your practice? Does he ever give a? Does J.K. Simmons ever give a good critique in the movie? Does he actually ever give Miles Teller any feedback that's going to help him become a better judge or a better drummer? 
Or does he just say you suck and Miles Teller on his own goes and practices? And I, don't I think know. that's I, the I, that, question of that might be who's responsible for Miles Teller becoming a great drummer. I don't know if that's something that I can address except in spoiler territory. Okay, fair enough. So we can get into that if you want to, unless there's anything else you want to say. No, I mean, I'll, I'll go on any other things if you want. But, I mean, to me, that's that was one of the big questions in the film. That's one of the big coffee moments that you want to go and talk about. Whether or not Terrence Flesher is responsible for this kid's mm-hmm. uh, quote, maybe potential success, or is the Andrew Neiman character responsible alone for his success or yeah. potential success? I don't know. I don't know. So that that, that winds up in spoilers because that goes all the way to the last you know, third of the movie. Okay, so we're in spoilers now. People should... Turn. Oh, no. Let me see if there's anything else there's, I want to say about this. Right. Eh, eh, everything else I could talk about could be a spoiler. So, All right, so at this point, if you don't want us to spoil the end of the movie, in, in the final scene, it is pretty good, and you probably want to go in not knowing what happens here. Right, so, you don't want to... There, there are a lot of twists and turns you wouldn't expect in this type of movie. So we appreciate those of you who have listened but not watched the film. Come back and listen soon. Yeah. Save this on your uh, Stitcher app or on iTunes. Right. And uh, we'll catch up with you a little bit later. For the rest of you, here come the spoilers. Boom. <laughs> uh, okay, so your question was, who's responsible for the success of the Andrew Neiman character. If we go right straight to the end, he gives a performance of his life. Yeah. And it's, according, in the context of the movie, it's the, you have to accept that it's the best jazz performance by any drummer in history. Mm-hmm. Fletcher claims at some point, because there's this uh, teeter-totter back-and-forth manipulation he stands on stage and accepts this kid's final performance victory as his own. So as far as Fletcher is concerned, mm-hmm. he wins and he's the one responsible for pulling this performance out of this kid. And then maybe I can make an argument in terms of the movie we're supposed Supposed to accept that too because the opening shot is a tracking shot that involves you seeing Fletcher approaching this Miles Teller character. It's also the, I think it's the shot that you see in the uh, in the movie posters for it. But I'm not sure. But it, it's a long track. It's a mild tracking shot that goes down the hallway into the. Uh, conservatory where they practice, or the, I don't even mm-hmm. just call it conservatory. I keep thinking of like practice the, room, the game Clue. <laughs> you know, killed him in the conservatory with a lead pipe, Mister Mustard or Colonel Mustard. <laughs> Colonel Mustard. Yeah, mean Mister Mustard is a Beatles guy. You wouldn't know that, would you? No, you know, mean Mister no. Mustard. No, mean Mister Mustard sounds like they used to have uh, food action figures. Uh-huh. Like you had. Sergeant Hamburger and stuff. The Hamburglar. No, not the Hamburglar. This is a McDonald's. The cheese? No, no, no. These were all fit different types of uh, food. Like Garbage Pail Kids or something? Yeah. yeah. Right. Late 80s. I always wanted those toys. Never got them. Wow. You had a deprived childhood. Yeah. Right? I had to settle for Ghostbusters and I always Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I always wanted the food. 
<laughs> the actual food, and I got him. That's why. So, um, going back to that last scene, J.K. Simmons. Okay, he claims Victor in his mind. I, I can see that argument. Was that what he's trying to achieve in that last scene, or Who's was he? J.K. Simmons? Because he screws over Miles Teller earlier in that scene. Oh. Was he just trying to embarrass Miles Teller and be done with that kid forever, or did he have this hope? No, I think and it's, have this master plan. No, no, no. I think that it's it was going to his, cause Miles Teller to come back having, and be awesome. No, it's having his cake and eating it too. The movie ends. There's an ending to the movie where I think conventional movies would have ended it there, and people would have left thinking, "Oh, you know, wow, he's gone off with his father." Instead, he he fails. Mm-hmm. Miserably hit this thing, uh, and, and see, he's me, sort of sabotaged by the Jake, the, the Terrence Simmons. Fletcher character, he's, he, who who gives him music that he can't play without having previously. And see, seen I it. think that's what J.K. Simmons wants. That's what Terrence Fletcher oh, yeah. wants. And then after the kid becomes great, it's revisionist right, history right. in his own mind. Okay, so right. we're on the same page. Right? Yeah, I think that it is him a, a little bit of him having his cake and eating it too, but. How does Miles Teller feel about this whole thing? Do you think... Well, wait a minute. Let's go back to Fletcher. Okay. Because Fletcher wouldn't be able to claim that without having done the first thing. So his... What's the his first thing? I don't trying to humiliate him. If he hadn't put him in a position where this kid could be humiliated... Because basically what had happened is they both got kicked out of that school. Mm-hmm. Miles Teller's path to greatness would not exist except through Fletcher. Because Fletcher goes to him and says, hey, kid... I know you've been kicked out of this school in your entire career, and mm-hmm. any attempt you might have had at being a famous drummer is lost now. But I got this band. You can play in it. Come on. And the people that are at this um, performance will see you and see that you're talented, and, and you can become a talented, famous jazz musician without having gone to Schaefer College. Since we both got kicked out of there. I thought he's reason. going back to Schaefer College in the fall. I thought that there was a line that he tells J.K. Simmons. Oh, maybe. He's going know. back. He, so what? Does that mean to Schaefer? I don't know. I well, mean, well, I mean, to, I mean, to me, to Miles to Teller, it, it means, yeah, he's not doing music right now. Uh, Terrence Fletcher gives him a chance to get back in. He just jumps at it because it's the first chance. I think you could argue he will find other chances Well, it might also be atonement with the father. I mean, his his father figure. Mm-hmm. It might be him, like, because they have that conversation over a hot beverage where <laughs> Fletcher gives him this uh, chance and Teller accepts it. And it, it's like you think that they're sort of buddy-buddy there. They've, they've reached an understanding about each other. It's not only – it's only on stage where you find out that Fletcher was doing this big mind screw mm-hmm. and, again, just trying to manipulate the kid. My point is – he wouldn't have achieved that level of greatness if Fletcher hadn't put him in that position to begin with. So Fletcher can say, because I did this to you, you became the next great thing or the best thing in drumming. I think Fletcher can say that. I think the audience should think he achieved greatness in this situation because of what happened. I don't know. But uh, if uh, Miles Teller is really that great, he would find greatness down the line. I think you can make that argument. Well, interesting you should say that, because Damien Chazelle says, is he envisions this character? Mm-hmm. Not that it matters, because you can bring whatever you want yeah. to the movie as a viewer. Damien Chazelle says that this guy dies alone and, and bitter at the age of 34 of some drug overdose. Now that he's become successful yeah, as a Yeah, but drummer? this was the height of his career. This was the height. Wow, peak at 19. He peaked at 19. He peaked at, nice. on that performance. 
and and I think that lends to the reading that both of them can claim victory at that point, and then that victory is it. That's it for for him. I don't know. That's I, the way Chazelle yeah. envisions. I just it. I have to give credit to Miles Teller's character because I mean he really gives a blood, sweat, and tears performance. And when he's getting ready for that final performance and he's putting the Band-Aids on, I'm going, wow, how much do you have to suffer to create your art? Right. I, I think that's a, a lot. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's a big question. But I he's also tortured. Film. How much do you have to be tortured to create oh, yeah. your art? Like, would 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 uh, you have a Michael Jordan without a Phil Jackson? <laughs> I don't know if that's a good idea. Well, Miles Teller, you feel like, could have hung out with Vincent Van Gogh. And understood why Van Gogh cuts off his ear. But I don't think Van Gogh had a mentor in that sense. No, no. Yeah, I don't know. But, it's, I mean, Miles Teller, he is self-driven a lot on his own. Yeah, and he and to his own detriment. I mean, mm-hmm. he loses his girlfriend. He uh, he He's estranged, for the most part, from his father. His family thinks he's a jerk. Those, that's the one of the small places where I have problems with the movie is it doesn't really develop his external relationship with his family but that scene the 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 dining table scene or the the dinner room scene that's my favorite scene in it's the a good movie. scene it's there, a good there's scene. a lot going on there yeah there's a lot of nuance it's, it's the writing is good the acting is good the the interplay the editing all of it works well you almost feel like they wrote two or three other scenes that involve the family and then just cut them out afterwards in the editing process. Possible. Because there just feels like there's a lot of backstory, even if you don't see it. Like, there's stuff going on between the Paul Reiser character and the uncle. Right. And you feel like they have some animosity, and there's a difference in views on how to raise your children. There's a lot of stuff going on there that we never see or hear, but you feel it's influenced these characters. Miles Teller is a single dad. Do we ever Miles, hear what happened to the mother? She's just out of the picture. Okay. Um, but we don't know if she died, there's a divorce or anything. He tells him that she's not around. I think Miles Teller tells Fletcher that he's not around. That Andrew character tells Fletcher he's not around. And that Fletcher uses that knowledge against him later. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's all part of the manipulation. It's like the devil on his shoulder or behind him. <laughs> And, and, I mean, there's just so many good things about that performance. It's just so... Oh, I love the J.K. Simmons quips and everything and just the way he, he just... He lifts you up a little bit and the people start smiling like, oh, look, teacher likes me. Right. And then he just slaps them down. Uh, yeah, that... The, the verbally. Scene, all, all the time. Well, like, not and physically. Yeah, yeah, there is some physical violence. There's so much menace to that character, man. He's such a... Ugh. He's such a smarmy guy and and... and he is sort of the embodiment of evil, but I kind of agree with this philosophy of the two worst l- words in the language in the English language are "good job." <laughs> that good is good, good enough. You're just being okay, yeah, you're good. That's not awesome or excellent. Like, how many A's do you give to students where they're, you know, mm-hmm. they're just better than everybody else, but they're not. Exceptional. They're not exceptional students. Oh, yeah. Very rarely do you. Like, let's say that the A's were only reserved for the Miles Tellers or the Andrew Neemans of the world, and everybody else gets you know, slightly above average. And good job. Mm-hmm. No one would be satisfied with that. But I would also argue my best students I've given the A to, and they go, well, 
but what I do wrong. They still want to know how they can improve. They're not satisfied with just hearing good job. They want to improve even when you say, oh, this is fantastic. I've had kids before um, when they've turned in an essay early to just have me, you know, look over it. And I've gone, this is an A. If you turn this into me next week, it's an A. I'll just hold on to the paper. You're good. I've had kids say, can you please make some corrections, write some comments? I want to improve this. And those have been my top tier kids. Right, but there are some kids that get A's. Who are happy with good job. And that's all they're looking for. I think saying good job to a top tier person has no effect on them. They are still self-motivated. I don't think it's all self-motivation. I think that some of it exists outside. I mean, there is external motivation, but... Yeah, there is, but I mean, some I, I, people are driven. There's the story you also have of to be um, in this. You have to be put into a setting where you can be successful. Did you hear the story about Howie Long? Uh, I know Howie Long quite how, well how, because his son beat up on my football team. <laughs> Chris Long is in the NFL now. Yeah. Well, Howie Long, Pro Bowl or um, Hall of Fame defensive for the lineman. Raiders, yeah. yeah, for the Raiders. He's coming off two straight Pro Bowls, and I think the Raiders had gone to a Super Bowl and won. He comes into training camp and goes, Coach, I hope I can make the team this year. And the coach is like, what are you talking about, Howie? You know, you're 31, you're in your prime, come off the pro. You're finally like, I don't know, there's a lot of talent on the team this year. (laughs) You know, that always worrying, always trying to think, you know, I can do this better. I need to keep working at my craft. I I think that works into the psyche of those who are truly, truly awesome. So do you think Lyle Alzado would have been better than – Howie Long, if he'd have put himself in Howie Long's uh, position? Possibly, but I don't think there, there's that self-drive. I think Lyle Alzado's brain rotted out from steroid use. Okay. He was the other defensive end. Yeah. Well, All right, so. Good movie, though. I mean, Awesome movie. My criticisms. Top two. Are, Your criticisms are. I feel like I've overstated them. I enjoyed the film. Overly critical. Yeah, so. Um, we'd love to hear what people thought of this film, right? Right. After you watch it, come back to us. Let us know. Email us at thelaughpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can message us on the website. You can go to the Twitter. Yeah. Did you say the Twitter at? Did you already say that? Oh, at the Laugh Podcast. Yeah. yeah, you can follow us on there. Uh, send us a tweet or we're on Facebook. Um, all the links to all the social media are on uh, com. Excellent. Well, I guess that's the end of the show. Number two's in the can. Uh, next show, I think, is going to be the Grand Budapest Hotel. Ooh. We look forward to you listening to that. And we look forward to talking to you in the future. For the uh, Mr. Two Frames over there. It's been a pleasure. I'm the L-Train. Pox at Bonum, everybody. There be drinks.